Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So this scripture passage comes in the midst of Jesus and those first apostles sitting down for the Passover Seder. In their tradition, as observant Jews, they were celebrating one of the highest and holiest festivals. They were there to remember when God liberated God's people from bondage and slavery over 400 years worth in Egypt and then brought them to Mount Sinai. It was the precipitation of what would later come as the Mosaic Covenant. And when they celebrated this, it was very formulaic. There was purpose to it. There were certain things you had to eat. They would have had an entire lamb for all of them to eat, the paschal lamb, and they would have had other different things that they would have been eating as part of this meal and then there would have been multiple cups for the Seder filled with wine and so as you're trying to remember the passage or you're trying to put yourself in that position know that they were all crowded in an upper room it was probably not air-conditioned and they were there to do something very holy they were there to remember in first person when God set them free and there in the midst of that, Jesus takes that moment and transforms it. And this is something we focus on on Holy Thursday or Monday Thursday in Holy Week when Jesus took the Passover Seder and made it into the first Holy Communion. But he also spoke to them. He knew what was coming. He knew that before the dawn rose, he would be betrayed into the hands of the priesthood and then turned over to the Roman government, ultimately to suffer and die and that he would be interred in a tomb that was not his own before rising and resurrecting triumphantly on Easter. And so he knows that the timeline is short, and he knows that in the chaos and the cacophony of the days to come, that they are going to be terrified, that he is going to seemingly abandon his beloved disciples. And so he wants to tell them the things that they need to know. He wants to bring them some sense of comfort and, and some hope to carry them through to Easter. And he's saying many things to them in the Gospel account of John. In fact, it's chapters and chapters of things that he says to them. But nestled in there is this promise. He will not leave them orphaned. He will not leave them alone. And he says to them, I'm giving you my peace. And I'm not going to give it to you like the world gives you things. There are no strings attached. I will not take it back. I am not going to put restrictions or requirements on how you use it. I am giving you my peace. The Prince of Peace is giving his peace to all. And in the midst of this, they're trying to rationalize what he's saying. I love how Judas, not the Iscariot, says, how is this possible? How, how are we gonna see you and then other people aren't gonna see? How is that possible? It's because the Holy Spirit allows us to see things that we cannot see with human eyes. The Holy Spirit allows us to interact with the world and with other people in ways that are not rational. They are not things that we would expect, but they are powerful and transformative. They allow us to experience this and skirt the edge of divinity because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And notice that Jesus calls it 
the advocate. This is a piece of God's self to advocate for us, to allow us to truly step into our place and our role as disciples. Because it's not easy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It can be quite terrifying if we're honest. And fortunately for me, and probably most of you feel the same way, we don't come from a denominational background that expects us to go door to door and try to pitch Jesus to strangers. I always want to scream hallelujah that I don't have to do that. That would just terrify me. And so the fact that we are empowered to look at our relationships as those doorways, that we can meet people and we can develop a relationship with them, and then that becomes the gateway through which we can tell them about our experience with the risen Christ and our love of God and the way in which the Holy Spirit is then enabled to work through us, to me, is a great relief. And I think to many Christians, we don't always recognize that gift that came on that first Pentecost. And so I want to encourage us to think about what if it had never happened? What if Pentecost had never been? If Jesus resurrected on Easter, walked around for 40 days, experienced uh, some transformative encounters with his disciples and new disciples, and then suddenly ascended into heaven and nothing happened. The gospel would have died with that remaining 11. Now, they might have tried to get something to happen, but let's be honest, their track record in the gospel accounts is not real great. They were not successful at ministry on their own. But here was a monumental task. Build my church. And they would have all turned to Peter and been like, all right, Rock, where are we going? And Peter would have probably said, um, let's go back to fishing, because he actually did that. He thought, we'll just go back to what we were doing, and somehow, some way, it'll work. But that wasn't the call. The call was for transformation and for something new and powerful. So what if the Holy Spirit hadn't come? What if those remaining apostles had not received a powerful piece of God's self? What if they had not inherited that incredible gift to speak to all people, learning languages that they could have never have learned or spoken before? And that day, that first Pentecost, the scriptures tell us that 3,000 people received the invitation, were transformed by the experience, and joined the ranks of Christendom. That day the church began. That's why Pentecost is the birthday of the church. But what if it had never been born? Sometimes we think about what would happen if I had never been born? Well, let's think about what the world would be without the church. A world without the church means that there would be no innovators like St. Francis of Assisi, Joan of Arc, Florence Nightingale, or Mother Teresa. There would have been no inspiration and patronage of the music of George Friedrich Handel, Johann Sebastian Bach, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and Bob Dylan. The writings would not be the same from those that hadn't risen through Christianity and the church and had their work infused in some surprising ways by their faith. The writings that we would be missing like those of Geoffrey Chaucer, Charles Dickens, T.S. Eliot, C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton, Fyodor Dostoevsky, J.R. Tolkien, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and Toni Morrison, or the art that proliferated the Renaissance and continues to inspire and draw people to it, 
the art of Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Rembrandt, or the science of those that were inspired by their God and the way that God created the heavens and the earth and looked to share that. The science of Galileo, Copernicus, Sir Isaac Newton, and George Washington Carver. And we can't forget the social justice work of Christians the likes of Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, who was a Methodist, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, and Jimmy Carter. If Christianity hadn't been birthed on that first Pentecost, then these people would not have had their faith, their foundation. They would have not had their expressions and their encouragement. They would have not given those gifts to us and to the world. And instead, the world would look and sound and feel quite different. Too many times people look at religion and they shame it and they say that religion has caused wars and it has caused so many problems in the world and there have been a lot of people who were religious that have done those things. But Christianity has also given. It has blessed. And it has strived to change the world. It has sought to make the world better, new, to reflect the God that we know and love and serve. And because we serve a God who proclaims very boldly in the book of Revelation, I am making all things new, we believe that there is hope not just for ourselves, but for the entire world. And that hope, that promise, is revealed through all of the different gifts of those people that I named for you. It inspired the likes of Francis of Assisi to find ways to proclaim the glory and to find ways to worship in the midst of creation. It inspired the likes of Joan of Arc to use her faith to make transformation for her people of France. It took a love and a passion for people and the desire to have a ministry of healing that allowed Florence Nightingale to transform the trajectory of nursing. And Mother Teresa, who continues to inspire people that through even what seemed to be the smallest acts of compassion and kindness, this world can change. To strip us of that music, imagine that there would be no hallelujah chorus, for there would be no one celebrating Easter. Imagine if we lost the writings that weren't necessarily overtly Christian, but continue to bless and inspire us and sometimes allow us to move beyond the struggles and the trials and tribulations of today and go into a realm where we can be free for a moment in a book. This is especially true for J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. Or the gift to use their writing and their words to allow us to see things differently and to challenge us, as Harriet Beecher Stowe did with Uncle Tom's Cabin. And Toni Morrison, I think it goes without saying, how she has used her gift for reading and writing. And the art, people still flock to Europe to see firsthand the incredible artwork that adorns chapels and the frescoes that were painted as people used their gifts for artistic expression to reveal one way of looking at the scriptures. But what I find that would be the most depressing is how the world would be filled more and more with human sin and nothing to offer another way. 
a world that wouldn't express that there is another direction we could go. We don't have to continually build powers and institutions that allow us to oppress, that continue to perpetuate the human desire for prejudice and discrimination. It was the hope and the promise of Scripture that says that in Christ there is no male or female, no Greek or Jew. The promise that there is equality in Jesus Christ that undergirds the incredible abolitionist work of Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. That even in the face of their own destruction, they chose in the spirit of liberation to seek liberation for God's people here in this country. And it allowed Dietrich Bonhoeffer to bravely stand up and challenge the Nazis about their desire to eradicate people with whom they disagreed or that they thought were lesser. And it cost him his life, which he willingly gave because he believed in the promise of the resurrection. The work that undergirds all of the transformation that continues to inspire and encourage, like Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, and Desmond Tutu. And our own Jimmy Carter, who because of his faith, refused to use his indomitable position of power and privilege as a president to inflict pain upon others. Christianity didn't just give to them, it gives to us through them. And if you grew up in the church or you had an experience that was transformative for yourself as you were growing up and getting to whatever age you are right now, then you know that when you look back, it's not an order of worship or a liturgy that introduced you to God. It wasn't simply a curriculum that allowed you to grow in wisdom and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm pretty positive all of us can trace that back to faces and names. It was a relationship and an encounter that allowed us to truly, for the first time, hear the gospel for us and experience God's love through another person. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can take fractured, imperfect, sinful people like us and allow us to be a vessel of hope and healing, love, mercy, and grace. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. It is what God gives to us even though we don't deserve it. And it includes forgiveness and pardon for our sins. It includes God's love, a love that is never failing. It doesn't take a break from us when we've had too much of one another. It doesn't abandon us in search of greener pastures of relationship. It doesn't say, I can't do this with you anymore. God's love never fails. And God's love was so important that Jesus knew that the original apostles were going to need God's presence and strength if they were going to transform the world through love. And so he promised them that night, in the midst of changing their world, their thought process, and how they were going to act and react in the days to come, by making them a promise. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to abandon you. I am going to ensure that just as your life has been changed by being in the presence of God the Son, 
even though you already knew where to go and find the presence of God the Father in the Holy of Holies in the temple, now you will know the power, the presence, and the transformation of God the Holy Spirit. And I will give this to you, he says. I will send this to you. And all we have to do is open ourselves to receive it. And many of us had a moment where we did receive the Holy Spirit. It was that moment of baptism for most of us. And for many of us, we might have been baptized as infants. I do not remember my baptism. But there are people who do. And they have told me that story. They have shared with me what it meant and why they had me baptized. And it motivated me enough to have my child baptized when he couldn't remember. And I talk about it. And if you have that gift, somebody who was there that can remember when you were baptized, what a story to tell. And if you don't, if those that were there to witness it have passed from this earth, then the Holy Spirit connects us to God and to them. Now you don't have to be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the movement and presence of God, and God gives that freely to all those who desire to receive it. And some of us do have those memories of the first time we felt enveloped by God's presence. And sometimes it happens in a church, and sometimes it happens in a relationship, which is also the church. Sometimes it happens simply because God sees our need and our openness to receive. And so God sends God's self to us. And unlike the frailty and the fracturing of human relationships, this one never ends. I am with you always says the son, I am with you forever and you will never be abandoned by me. The world may forsake you, relationships may crumble and fail, but God never fails. God always keeps coming back for us, inviting us to come home, reminding us that we are not forgotten or forsaken. Instead, God keeps saying, every moment, with every breath, and every heartbeat, you are mine. I know you, and I love you. How many people throughout the history of humankind didn't know that? But we have been given that gift because thousands of years ago, the Holy Spirit came, and those 11 received it. And they didn't squander it or hide it. They shared it. And the first day they shared it, 3,000 people joined them. And thousands have been joining ever since. There is question over what will happen to Christianity since the pandemic. And there are certainly those who think that it is going to continue to atrophy and wane. And that it will eventually go the way of many world religions. But we have something that brings us hope. The power of Pentecost continues. The promise that the church is here and can be renewed. The promise that God's relationship doesn't end. How ironic is it that the liturgical color of Pentecost is red and the world sees it as a secular color of love? Oh, red is the color of love. Red is the color of God's love. A love that refused to be separated by the chasm between heaven and earth, 
A love that refused to be bound by human life. A love that said, I can overcome any heartbreak, heartache, sin, sickness, and death. Red is the color of God's love that came down on Pentecost. And so Christians have been celebrating it and reveling in it because it is the birth of the church. And this week, I had the incredible experience of being able to finally celebrate Pentecost in a chapel with our preschoolers, because normally the calendar doesn't fall that way. When their school ends and when Pentecost is, it isn't always in great sync. And so this year, I got to. And one of the kids said, well, where did they build that church? Where is it? They said they built it in people. That first church didn't have walls or bricks. That first church didn't have a roof. That first church was embodied in people like you and me. And the church that has survived and the church that thrives is in us. It was allowed to continue in the midst of separation and isolation and a pandemic. It has survived decades of persecution in other countries where religion was outlawed and Christianity was persecuted. It has survived stigma and hypocrisy. It has survived failure of disciples of Jesus Christ to live up to the promise of the gospel because that gospel is more than a liturgy or a creed or a denominational stance. It is the people of God. And the church is what we offer. It has been a gift to us. It has blessed us. But we also have to share that gift with others. So implicitly in every Pentecost is the evangelistic call to share what you have discovered to share what you have learned, to share what you have experienced, and above all, to share the love that God has given to each and every one of us. And some of us will do this with our family. Some of, this will, some of us will do this with our friends or our classmates, our coworkers, our neighbors. Some of us will choose to do this with every single person with whom we have a relationship. And that is the building block of the church of the future. It is relationship and how we will use this gift, this powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us to build a future that isn't just about numbers and membership. It is about transformation and love. And if that is what inspires us about Pentecost, then surely God can look down from the highest heavens and see that today is a day when we remember the gift and we are inspired to use it, not just today, but every day until God is with us for all eternity in the kingdom to come and we will never feel separation again. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org 
to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.